Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cold Feet Podcast. Join our journey as we interview people in this cold plunge and we delve on the adventure of holistic health, athletic development, barefoot education, washing the norm, and so much more. So dive in, grab a hot cocoa, and enjoy the episode. Before we start our podcast episode, we would like to give a brief shout out to our podcast sponsors. Most shoes harm your mobility by over-restricting your foot's natural movement. With the Ursus from Barefoot Athletics, a shoe designed with minimal restrictions, your feet can move the way nature intended, so you can move with more confidence and strength in every step. Barefoot Shoes was founded by Chris Duffin, who attributes proper foot biomechanics as foundational to his success in squatting and deadlifting over 1,000 for reps. He created Barefoot Shoes to provide a minimal shoe designed for strength athletes. Go to barefoot.shoes slash TBSR to check out the Ursus and you can save 10% with the code TBSR10 to purchase the strongest minimalist shoe available. As a gym owner, I usually lift barefoot. When I can't lift barefoot, I love lifting in my barefoot shoes for both the health benefits of lifting barefoot and the increased ground feel I have in all my lifts. You don't need supplements to build muscle, lose fat, and get healthy, but the right ones can help. That's why over 350,000 fitness folk have chosen Legion. Well, that and their 100% natural products, their clinically effective ingredients and doses, and their no-hassle money-back guarantee. I've been following Michael Matthews, the CEO of Legion Athletics Journey, since 2012, and I am super duper impressed with their supplements. They have a wide variety of everything from protein powders, pre-workouts, post-workouts, omega-3s, and bundles. And you can save a whooping 20% with the discount code HABER, H-A-B-E-R. So just log in to legionathletics.com, and the discount code is HABER for 20% off. Earthrunners are some of my favorite minimalist sandals. Earthrunners were created to rewild our lives in response to the typical modern domesticated lifestyle, which is causing numerous health, psychological, and social issues. Through rewilding and grounding, we aim to bring stronger, healthier, and more resilient individuals and communities back to our society. If you're not familiar with grounding, grounding is exposing your bare feet or body to the earth beneath you. And if you're unable to do that, you can ground with sandals like Earthrunners with their unique copper plug and copper laces. Grounding has a huge display of benefits such as reducing inflammation, improving sleep, and improving happiness. So you can check out Earthrunners at earthrunners.com and you can use our discount code of TBSR10 to get 10% off. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cold Feet Podcast. Today, I have the privilege to have Sarah, yeah, another Hi. Sarah, on the podcast, surrounded by lots of Sarahs. And I met her, and just three seconds of talking to her, she was like, yeah, I went from being in a wheelchair to on life support to complete recovery. So I said, save your story for the podcast, and here we are today. So, Sarah, can you please introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and just share with us your journey? Of course. Hi, my name is Sarah. I am 28 years old. I am back in Israel for the first time in six years after having to leave because I was so sick. I Welcome went back. back. Thank you. Thank you. It feels really, really good to be home. Um, I now help women understand the connection between their mind and their body and how to use that knowledge to heal. And that's all from my own healing journey. Um, I, at around age 20, 
was starting to experience pretty severe symptoms. I had had strange symptoms my entire life, but at around age 20, when I moved to Israel and enlisted in the IDF, I was having really strange symptoms. Nobody could figure out why. Went through all these tests, and um, turns out I was diagnosed with something called gastroparesis, which is um, a paralysis of the stomach. I was medically discharged from the army and went back to the States for medical care. In the States, I saw doctor after doctor, trying to figure out why I had this condition. I was diagnosed with over a dozen health conditions after that. I ended up in a field, uh, uh, wheelchair, I had a feeding tube, and I had one doctor tell me that I needed to wrap my pretty little head around the fact I wasn't going to get better, that this was it. And he explained to me when he thought I was going to die and um, how exactly what I had was going to kill me. And he wasn't the first doctor to tell me I was dying, but he was the first one to say, this is how it's going to happen and you have X amount of years left. Wow. So that's kind of like Google, you know, Google is, yeah. my, stomach, is my stomach ache going to kill me kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, except it wasn't just my stomach at that point. My entire digestive system had shut down. Um, a normal person, when they eat, it's supposed to, the body's supposed to, at the most, take 51 hours from input to uh, exit to process. For me, it was over 109 hours. Um, so more than double the amount of time it was supposed to take, and it just wasn't breaking anything down. So at one point, a couple of different phases actually, I was an organ failure. At one point, my organs were shutting down because my body was eating them. At another phase, um, my kidneys just shut down because I was vomiting so violently and so often that it just wasn't able to sustain what was going on. Um, but after that doctor appointment where that doctor told me that, he was going, that I was going to die um, and how he expected it to happen, he said that because I had a feeding tube and my intestines weren't working, my intestines would eventually shut down. And from there, I'd have to have a central line to my heart, which is what was going to feed me. But because I was such a high infection risk, I was going to get an infection and it would kill me. And it was in the next couple of years that this would happen. And I should stop trying to look for answers because there weren't any out there. I left that appointment. I was devastated. And this was a doctor I had flown across the country to see with my mom. I had specialists all over the country. I was going to the Mayo Clinic and the Cleveland Clinic. And it just, everyone was saying I was too complicated or there was no hope or like this doctor, I was going to die. So I left that appointment with my mom. And I was understandably upset. I was devastated. I was bawling. And my mom looks at me and she goes, why are you upset? It's like, mom, were we not just in the same appointment? And she goes, yeah, but when have you ever let anyone tell you what to do? Ever. It's like, oh, I don't like the picture you're painting of me right now. It's not a very nice one, but also you're right. So from there, I went back to my geneticist because um, I was diagnosed with a genetic connective tissue disorder, uh, which everyone said was the root cause of everything else that was going on. And the geneticist I went to, I, what I really loved about her is that she wasn't just um, Western medicine. She also believed in alternative medicine, which I believe is the real medicine, but that's another story. Um, she recommended I try a specific diet. Now, I couldn't eat the food on the diet. Uh, I wasn't able to hold down solid food for six years. And I couldn't do the soup. It was disgusting. But there were juices on this diet, and I loved the juices. So I started looking up juicing, and like every scientific person, I went straight to Instagram to look up juicing stories and juicing miracles. And I found this one guy who did a 90-day juice fast to heal himself of Crohn's disease. And it worked. So I said, OK, if he can do that in 90 days, I wonder what I can do in 100. So I started this juice fast. And at around the 100-day mark, I realized I have so much more healing I need to do. I need to go deeper. And I did. I ended up doing a 366-day juice fast. And on the last day of the juice fast, I ran across the finish line of a 5K. Wow. Went, yeah. Well, congratulations. That's thank a, you. That's meaningful. Going from wheelchair all the way to running 5Ks. I mean, that's a big feat. It was, it was really, really, it was really cool. I'll never forget the feeling of crossing that finish line. One of the most proud moments of my life. Wow. So thank you so much for sharing that. I think the biggest touch point I heard in that 
whole interaction was as a society, we have way too much blind faith in doctors. Western yes. doctors, Eastern doctors, Northern doctors, I don't care what. <laughs> but like, just because someone in an authority position says something, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. 100%. I think we forget that doctors are people and that our knowledge is so limited. What we think we know, we don't actually know. We don't actually know anything. Everything that we think we know, whether it be from a medical perspective or a science perspective or just in general, is just a fact that's been mutually agreed upon by members of society. We used to believe that the Earth was the center of the universe and the sun revolved around the Earth. The Earth is not the center of the universe? No. <laughs> we also, Christopher Columbus was so sure that he got to India, right? There are all these things that people thought were fact, but it turns out they're not true. So why are we believing things that are limiting us? Why are we believing things that are stopping us in our tracks instead of saying, you know what? That's cool that that's your perspective, but I choose not to accept that, and I choose to accept my own reality, and my perception is my reality. So if I'm going to say that I'm going to get better, I'm going to get better. You can just watch. Okay, so you had some sort of genetic disorder, mm -hmm. correct? And that was leading, you said you had 12 other things going on, 12 other symptoms or, or outcomes. And right before the podcast started, I was asking you what symptoms did you have. And I said, I know we don't like the word symptoms. And you said... Symptoms aren't a bad thing. It's just our perception of symptoms. Symptoms are simply messengers. Right. I believe that the body is the subconscious mind. And all symptoms are, are telling us what needs to change inside. So just like hunger is not a bad thing, it's just a message from the body saying we need fuel. And sleep isn't, or feeling tired isn't a bad thing, it's a message from the body saying we need sleep and we need to rest. Symptoms aren't a bad thing either. They're just saying, um, they're just a message from the body letting us know what needs to be addressed inside, and then the body will take care of itself. So I like the definition of symptoms. I think the flaw with the modern definition of symptoms is that most doctors slash practitioners tend to look at the symptom as something bad. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, oh, you're hungry, here's some food, they're like, all right, take this pill, it will block out your, your appetite. So right. we're always looking at how to take our symptoms and negate them instead of trying to go back to the root cause. Mm -hmm. But now my question is for you, so all you spoke about so far was a, a juice cleanse right. diet. That single-handedly took you from wheelchair Sarah, Sarah or Sarah? Either both. Got it, because my Sarah goes by Sarah. And she, whenever I say Sarah on a podcast, she doesn't like it. So Sarah <laughs> slash Sarah, it single-handedly took you from a wheelchair all the way to running a 5K, or were there other variables and factors that you did in your life as well? So the juice was a really, really powerful tool. But everything outside of me is only ever just a tool. And tools don't heal. The person wielding the tool does the healing. So the juice was the exact tool that I needed to go in and do the inner work because I had a lot of things that I'd refused to address for a long, long time, a lot of traumas, a lot of things that I just refused to acknowledge had even existed. And it was only when I was on the juice that something clicked inside of me and I was ready to do that inner work. And once I did the inner work is when the shift started happening. The juice was the tool I needed to get to that point, but the juice didn't heal me, I did. So I'm seeing something here, I, I don't really have a term for it, but I kind of call it the hooga booga effect. Okay. It's kind of like, think of like minimalist footwear or supplements or mm -hmm. Journaling or mm -hmm. cold exposure, stuff that people do, which launches a journey of healing. Yeah. Feeling my vibe. So a lot of people, they do one thing in their life, and that one thing becomes a domino effect. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, I'm already taking steps to be a healthier human being. Mm -hmm. I may as well do X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. When you say healing, do you mean emotional healing? Yes. So I'm going to assume that the listeners today, I hopefully got away, they're not in wheelchairs, but people are out there who they're sick. They're not well. They're not mm -hmm. getting better. They have chronic pain or injuries that they're not healing from, 
I don't inherently want them to just jump on a juice diet and think it's a magic cleanse. What I do want mm -hmm. them to do is do that, do the whole journey. So can you tell us a little bit more, if it's not too personal, mm -hmm. about what the journey was in addition to just the di dietary changes? Of course. And here's the thing. I have so many requests from people asking me to guide them along the juice fast. And my answer is always no. Mm. Because here's the thing. That was the tool that I needed for my journey. That was what catapulted it for me. That was the thing in my bones and my body that was like, yes, you need to do this. But it's not the same, it's not the answer for everyone. Everyone's journey is different, everyone's experiences are different, and the tool that a person needs to jumpstart them on their journey is going to be different person to person. So for me, the juice was the tool that I needed, but it's not the only tool that's out there, and it's not necessarily the right tool for everyone. So I'm glad you, you brought that up, because it's important for people to know that it's not just, okay, I'm gonna drink juice all day, every day, and that's it, because that's not the case. The juice is a wonderful tool, just like, like you had mentioned, barefoot shoes or supplements or cold exposure. Those are also wonderful tools. At the end of the day, tools are just tools. It's the person wielding the tool that does all the work, that, does, that makes the difference. And I think, for me, what I really needed to learn along this journey was radical self-love and acceptance. Um, it was also the willingness to let go of victimhood, victimhood mentality and to stand in my power. I, start, I did a lot of meditation along this journey, a lot of inner work and reflection. I got angry a lot also. Yourself? I at myself, at others. I allowed whatever I was feeling to come up and to feel it fully because you can't heal what you don't feel. Um, so allowing all those emotions to come up, there are points where it was not fun and there are points along my year-long juice fast that I wanted to quit but it felt like too much, that this was too intense and I would rather just be sick and know that I was going to die than continue on with this because it felt too hard. But I didn't quit, I kept going. And for all the pain that I went through, I think our person's capacity to feel pain is their same capacity to feel joy and happiness and in love with life. So when it gets hard, keep going. Because if, if it feels that hard, that's the same capacity that person has to feel the joy and the beauty afterwards. You came up with a very, very powerful one-liner, and I'm going to remember it forever. You can't heal what you don't feel. Is yeah. that your like trademark? It's one of the things that I like to say, yeah. Because that was very, very powerful. And I think we live in a, a very, very emotional era. And kind of diving into the world of, we spoke about doctors, now we could dive into like therapists, psychologists. Mm. I think that a lot of them make the mistake, similar to the Western system, of having you reliant on them. So you come for your session, you speak it out, and they say, all right, see you next week, swipe your credit card, right. on. I think that uh, therapists, psychologists, whatever, or life coaches should give you the tools to how to succeed on your own. So those tools you mentioned, like meditation, mm -hmm. uh, some journaling or reflection, yeah. are you implying that these are the things that healed you? and? even though there was external aspects of your organ failure, essentially, mm -hmm. you're saying that the emotional work is what brought you to that 5K, what brought you to a functioning human being today? 100%. The body, what happens when we fall down? I mean, we scrape our knee, right? The body knows how to heal itself. The body takes care of it. It's that we get in our own way. That's the problem. So when we think that, when we feel something to be intense or big, or we're going through a situation like organ failure or, being, or needing a wheelchair or needing a feeding tube, it feels so big. It feels like the, the, the counterpart, the healing has to feel that big as well. It feels like the intervention has to be that big. But in reality, that's just a story we're telling ourselves, right? The healing doesn't have to match the level of severity of the condition we're experiencing because the level of condition that we're experiencing has to do with the story that we're telling ourselves. So if we're ready to, once we're ready to, you know what, say, this is what I'm experiencing right now and my healing does not have to look hard or complicated, I'm going to surrender to what is and allow joy to take over and do the, that inner work and figure out, okay, what was going on in my world around the same time the symptoms started? Why am I experiencing this? What is this here to teach me? What is this here to, to guide me through? And how am I going to use this to move forward? Once we start doing that work, which 
can feel big and daunting and overwhelming, but isn't as scary as being in a wheelchair or as having a feeding tube. We're not having answers in general. Once we do that work, that's where the healing begins. It kind of puts things into perspective for me, like I'm having a bad day, but I can be grateful that I'm not in a wheelchair, right? Mm -hmm. I do think though that the same way that you need to take care of your body physically, mm -hmm. you know, train, move, get some yeah. sunshine, fresh air, prayer, meditation, you have to, I kind of touched on, I, I tie physical and emotional together, but you have to take care of your body emotionally and spiritually before 100%. you wind up in the wheelchair, right? A hundred percent. So I think so many people are disconnected from that and it's only when they get to that point of extreme where they're sick or they're in the hospital or the mm -hmm. doctors are letting them down and you've seen in this past few years of stuff going on around that it's only a flag for certain things <laughs> in this podcast that people started losing faith in the medical system and they're mm -hmm. like, where do I turn to? And a lot of people turn to spirituality, mm -hmm. emotional stuff, emotional mm -hmm. healing and like many people may be um, skeptical, oh, what is this hocus-pocus stuff? It's mm -hmm. not, it's emotions. We're, we're emotional mm -hmm. human beings and you're not the first or the second story of people who have cured cancer, mm -hmm. cured organ failure, cured all mm -hmm. sorts of diabetes or, or other issues through working on their emotional self. A hundred percent. My story is one of millions and I'm so grateful to be able to say that there is nothing unique about me and what I did. There is nothing special about me that allowed me to do this that would prevent anyone else from doing so. What I did is just what is possible and what we are all designed to do. We're designed to be in perfect health. And when something goes on that takes us out of that, we are designed to get back to that state because that's what we are at our core. So there's nothing special about me. There's nothing unique about me. And I love being able to say that, if I, how do I know that you can do this? Because I did it. So you mentioned when I met you that you teach other women how to do this as well. Yes. Um, not necessarily just sick women, just women in general, how to heal mm -hmm. themselves emotionally. So can you dive in a little bit what your day-to-day -day, uh, coaching system is? So what's sure. your secret, as they say? The, the main thing is to look at women who are experiencing symptoms and ask them what was going on in their world around the same time. Symptoms, like physical symptoms. Physical symptoms, or even emotional symptoms, right? What was going on in your world around that same time? I recently worked with a woman with agoraphobia. What's that? Uh, fear of going outside and of open spaces. Wow, it's powerful. Yeah, and once we started speaking and started getting into the nitty gritty, it wasn't just this happened when I was X years old. What was going on in your world around that time? What was happening in your world around that time? What made you feel like being at home was the only safe option? Because at the end of the day, we're seeking safety, right? We're designed to seek out safety. We're designed to live in safety. And when we experience traumas, our our parasympathetic nervous system gets shut down and put onto the back burner and our sympathetic nervous system gets revved up. And when we're in that fight, flight, freeze state, all the body is doing is focusing on survival. A lot of the problem that I'm seeing for many people who have experienced trauma is that they're living in a chronic state of trauma. They're living in a chronic, chronic state of sympathetic overdrive as opposed to being able to return back to balance and come back to the parasympathetic state as well. What we do is we figure out why does that state feel safer? And once we take safety and make that our number one, number one priority, okay, let's get you feeling safe in your body as you are the way that you are now, that, her, that sympathetic nervous system can calm down a bit. The parasympathetic nervous system steps up and does its job. We start to be able to address deeper things like love and self-acceptance. And once we have those tools in our arsenal, everything shifts, everything completely changes. And are your sessions, are they like hands-on like we're doing now, like you're talking to them, are they journaling, are they meditating, is it self-guided? I'm just curious about, because your story is, is a magical story of hope, right? I'm sure there's Thank thousands you. and millions of others out there, yeah. but you're, you're, there's not so many, even though I said probably know some people. <laughs> but like, I w I'm so empowered by your story, and I know that you're trying to empower other people, so Thank I'm you. curious about the 
hands-on aspect? Like, is it a, does it look like a conventional therapy session where you're, you're sharing their feelings or what is the practical, you spoke about the logistical aspects, what yeah. you're doing with them, but what does it practically look like is my real question. So practically it looks like um, homework every week mm. um, and virtually, virtually, yes. Mm. And shared with me unlimited access to me throughout the week. Mm. And then once a week, uh, video call for as long as they need. Um, we start with at least an hour, but if it goes over, it goes over. It's all about supporting a person on their journey where they're at. I want to meet the, the I want to meet you where you're at. That's my goal. My goal is to put myself out of business, and that means meeting you where you're at, and being there for you where you're at. So can can I call it an emotional trainer? Sure. Yeah. I love that actually. <laughs> I like that aspect too because I tell people like after let's say three months of teaching them everything, assuming that. They're based in Canada. You're good. Hey, you're free to go. Mm-hmm. I can put you on my program. Mm-hmm. $9.99. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Give me my program. You're ready to go. But like, I taught you everything I know. I want you to move on and explore right. on your own. The second thing I really like what you're saying is the power of emotional healing. And I'm someone who interacts with dozens of people daily, if not hundreds or thousands of people over my career. And a lot of times, emotional uh, obstacles come up. So I feel mm-hmm. them. I feel them, I journal them, I write them down, mm-hmm. and every time it happens, I used to be really down about them. Now my aspect is the same way that I try to progress in the gym every week, try to get a little bit stronger, try to get a little bit faster, mm-hmm. every time an emotional hurdle comes in the way, like I'm getting emotionally stronger. Yeah. So in 10 years time, when it's not one annoying dude, it's a thousand, it's a corporation that's annoying me, or it's in a million dollar deal, or it's a, what house am I going to buy? Something that's a little bit bigger than just like one guy or girl. Mm-hmm. I'm happy because it makes me a stronger emotional person. So right. like we're on the same page there with emotions. Yeah. Um, can I ask you if there was besides the what's your quote? If it he- if it's if you, you gotta feel, feel it to heal it. You gotta feel it to heal it. That's the caption for this podcast. Can you give like one liner or one sentence of hope? Someone's like sick or not feeling well or 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 at their rock bottom. Mm-hmm. They're in a wheelchair. They can't eat. They're 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 they just got divorced. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just going through stuff in life. Yeah. What's your message of hope for them? Like, what what do they do? What do you do? Healing happens. That's that's the underlying. But here's the thing, right? If we just look at this, if we zoom out for a second, you and I and you were all made of the same. We're all made of the same things that make up the stars in the sky, right? On a purely scientific level, we're all made of the exact same thing, right? We're made of the same things that make up the stars in the sky, and this tree, this beautiful tree over here, you're telling me that, that you have limitations? You're telling me that you can't do this? You're telling me that this is, this, is, this is your reality? No. If we're made of the same things that make up everything in the universe, right? There's a reason that the atoms that make you up aren't just another table or another chair, right? You're put here for a reason, and that reason isn't to suffer. That reason isn't to be in a wheelchair or paralyzed or this, that, or the other. That reason is to be here. Forget all the other stuff. So take that pain and turn it into your purpose. Take that pain and turn it into your purpose. Work, work actively, actively turn it into your purpose. Yeah. Okay, wow, that's pretty um, fulfilling, inspiring. I'm, I'm happy I met you, I'm happy I heard your story. Can you share with us uh, where we can find you, your website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat? You may, you may be like, I, I don't have any of those, but. So I, I, I do, yeah. I do. You can find me on Instagram at Sarah Weisler. And uh, I have a website, uh, sarahericacom and it's Erica spelled with a K. And it's virtual. It's virtual coaching mostly. Virtual so anyone coaching. in the world can. Anyone in the world, tools. yes. Okay. Uh, anything else? Website, Facebook. Uh, so website is sarahericacom Sarah, yeah. Facebook is Sarah the Mind Body Magic. Because mm. um, I, I truly believe the connection between the mind and the body is magical, just Absolutely. like everything in this world is magic, uh, which means that we are all magic too.
Yeah, I like to try to be magical. Anyways, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was such a privilege to hear your story. And uh, yeah, see you guys all next time. Toodle-doo. Hey, I'm Sean, and I'm the Barefoot Athlete. And I want to welcome you on this six-week Barefoot Transition course. Two and a half years ago, we started developing this course, and we wanted it to be 12 months long. Why 12 months? Because we felt that if you just spent dozens of years in cushioned shoes, you can't transition that quickly. Realizing that 12 months is not sustainable, we shortened it to six weeks. And in these six weeks, you're gonna dive into foot, knee, ankle, hip, shoulder mobility. You're gonna dive into calf, ankle, knee, hip strengthening. You're gonna learn how to take care of your feet, how to release them with tons of soft tissue work. After the first phase is over, after the three weeks are done, your pain is gone, your knees, your hips, your feet are feeling great, ready to rumble, move on to the advanced stage. We learn how to land, we learn how to jump, we learn how to produce force and absorb force. Every single week is action-packed with play, fun, challenges to challenge yourself, your friends, your loved ones, and your community. Tons of strengthening, tons of footwork, and we can guarantee you that in six weeks' time, you will be much, much closer to being able to fully love life and live life in minimalist footwear. And the best part of it all, you're not limited to six weeks. So if you want to go back and repeat a phase, you're more than welcome to. So let's go, come along, and enjoy the course.